Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign-Up, where you can exercise the option to receive a daily excellent email, including both the text readings today as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today, we are continuing our reading of Chapter 16, The Forgiveness of Illusions, with Chapter 6, or sorry, Section 6, Specialness and Guilt. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Beautiful Lesson 184. The name of God is my inheritance. And I didn't have to look very far this morning to find a perfect opening from Rumi. Nothing happens without you is the name of the poem. This heart of mine bears your imprint. It has nowhere else to turn. The eye of the intellect is drunk with you. The wheeling galaxy is humble before you. The ear of ecstasy is in your hand. Nothing happens without you. The soul is bubbling with you. The heart imbibes you. The intellect bellows in rapture. Nothing happens without you. You, my grape wine and my intoxication, my rose garden and my springtime, my sleep and repose. Nothing happens without you. You are my grandeur and glory. You are my possessions and prosperity. You are my purest water. Nothing happens without you. Should everything pass away, it couldn't happen without you. This heart of mine bears your imprint. It has nowhere else to turn. The name of God is my inheritance. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. Beautiful, thank you. Perfect, mm. thank you, Lori. Yes, indeed. Today and every day. All right, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Donna, Karen, Judy, and Robin Marie. And we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison. If anyone else joined us, like to say, Maureen will be on the reading list. Good morning, good morning. Mrs. Sandra. Uh, good morning, Sandra, and good morning, Jessica. Hi. <laughs> I can read, too. Hi. Okie dokie. Great. Thanks, guys. Okay. So once again, we take up Chapter 16, The Forgiveness of Illusions, with Section 6, Specialness and Guilt. Paragraph 43. In looking at the special relationship, it is necessary first to realize that it involves a great amount of pain. 
anxiety, despair, guilt, and attack all enter into it, broken into by periods in which they seem to be gone. All these must be understood for what they are. Whatever form they take, they are always an attack on the self to make the other guilty. We've spoken of this before, but there are some aspects of what is really being attempted that we have not touched upon. Uh, Lemoyne. Are you on mute, Lemoyne? Okay, we'll come back to Lemoyne. Um, Fran. Here I am. Here I am. Oh, there he is. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I went for it. I actually spilled something just about exactly the time you called on me. (laughs) Oh, dear. That was good because I was in the mood before. Now I'm laughing a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Don't see the mood. In chapter 16, The Forgiveness of Illusion. Section 6, Specialness and Guilt. In looking at the special relationship, it is necessary first to realize that it involves a great amount of pain. Anxiety, despair, guilt, and attack all enter into it, broken into two, by periods in which they seem to be gone. All these must be understood for what they are. Whatever form they take, they are always an attack on the self to make the other guilty. We have spoken of this before, but there are some aspects of what is really being attempted that we have not touched upon. Very simply, the attempt to make guilty is always directed against God. For the ego would have you see him and him alone as guilty, leaving the sonship open to attack and unprotected from it. The special love relationship is the ego's cheap weapon for keeping you from heaven. It does not appear to be a weapon, but if you consider how you value it and why, you will realize what it must be. The special love relationship is the ego's most boasted gift and one which has the most appeal to those unwilling to relinquish guilt. The quote-unquote dynamics of the ego are often clearest here for they for counting on the attraction of this offering, the fantasies which center around it are often quite open. Here they are usually judged to be acceptable and even natural. No one considers it bizarre to love and hate together, and even those who believe that hate is sin merely feel guilty and do not correct it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 44. 
Very simply, the attempt to make guilty is always directed against God. For the ego would have you see him and see him alone as guilty, leaving the sonship open to attack and unprotected from it. The special love relationship is the ego's chief weapon for keeping you from heaven. It does not appear to be a weapon, but if you consider how you value it and why, you will realize what it must be. The special love relationship is the ego's most boasted gift and one which has the most appeal to those unwilling to relinquish guilt. The quote-unquote dynamics of the ego are clearest here. For counting on the attraction of this offering, the fantasies which center around it are often quite open. Here they are usually judged to be acceptable and even natural. No one considers it bizarre to love and hate together. And even those who believe that hate is sin merely feel guilty and do not correct it. 45. This is the quote-unquote natural condition of the separation. And those who learn that it is not natural at all seem to be the unnatural ones. For this world is the opposite of heaven, being made to be its opposite, and everything here takes a direction exactly opposite of what is true. In heaven, where the meaning of love is known, love is the same as union. Here, where the illusion of love is accepted in love's place, love is perceived as separation and exclusion. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. 45. This is the natural condition of the separation. And those who learn that it is not natural at all seem to be the unnatural ones. For this world is the opposite of heaven, being made to be its opposite. And everything here takes a direction exactly opposite of what is true. In heaven, where the meaning of love is known, love is the same as union. Here, where the illusion of love is accepted in love's place, love is perceived as separation and exclusion. 46. It is in the special relationship born of the hidden wish, her special love from God, that the ego's hatred triumphs. For the special relationship is the renunciation of the love of God and the attempt to secure for, our, for the self this specialness which he denied. It is essential to the perserva- preservation of the ego that you believe the specialness is not hell, but heaven. For the ego would never have you see that separation can only be loss being the one condition in which heaven cannot be. Thank you, Donna. And Karen. 46. It is the special relationship born of the hidden wish for special love from God that the ego's hatred triumphs. For the special relationship is the renunciation of the love of God 
and the attempts to secure for the self the specialness which he denied. It is essential to the preservation of the ego that you believe this specialness is not hell but heaven. For the ego would never have you see that separation can only be lost, being the one condition in which heaven cannot be. 47. To everyone, heaven is completion. There can be no disagreement on this because both the ego and the Holy Spirit accept it. They are, however, in complete disagreement on what completion is and how it is accomplished. The Holy Spirit knows that completion lies first in union and then in the extension of union. To the ego, completion lies in triumph and in the extension of the quote-unquote victory even to the final triumph over God. In this, it sees the ultimate freedom of the self for nothing would remain to interfere with it. This is its idea of heaven. From this it follows that union, which is a condition in which the ego cannot interfere, must be held. Thank you, Karen. And Judy. Yes, thank you. To everyone, heavy, to everyone, heaven is completion. There can be no disagreement on this because both the ego and the Holy Spirit accept it. They are, however, in complete disagreement on what completion is and how it is accomplished. The Holy Spirit knows that completion lies first in union and then in the extension of union. To the ego, completion lies in triumph and in extension of the victory, quote-unquote, even to the final triumph over God. In this it sees the ultimate freedom of the self, for nothing would remain to interfere with it. (laughs) This is its idea of heaven. From this it follows that union, which is a condition in which the ego cannot interfere, must be held. The special relationship, I would like to read that last line again. From this it follows that union, which is a condition in which the ego cannot interfere, must be held. Hmm. The special relationship is a strange and unnatural ego device for joining hell and heaven and making them indistinguishable. And the attempt to find the imagined, quote, best of both worlds has merely led to fantasies of both and to the inability to perceive either one as it is. The special relationship is the triumph of this confusion. It is a kind of union from which union is excluded, and the basis for the attempt at union rests on exclusion. 
What better example could there be of the ego's maxim, seek but do not find, unquote. Thank you, Judy. And Robin Marie. The special relationship is a strange and unnatural ego device for joining hell and heaven and making them indistinguishable. And the attempt to find the imagined, quote, best, unquote, of both worlds has merely led to fantasies of both and to the inability to perceive either one as it is. The special relationship is the triumph of this confusion. It is a kind of union from which union is excluded, and the basis for the attempt at union rests on exclusion. What better example could there be of the eagle's maxim, quote, seek, but do not find, unquote. 49. Most curious of all is the concept of the self which the ego fosters in the special relationship. This, quote, self, unquote, seeks the relationship to make itself complete. Yet when it finds the special relationship in which it thinks it can accomplish this, it gives itself away and tries to, quote, trade, unquote, itself for the self of another. This is not union, for there is no increase and no extension. Each partner tries to sacrifice the self he does not want from one he thinks he would prefer, and he feels guilty for the, quote, sin, unquote, of taking and of giving nothing of value in return. For how much value can he place upon a self that he would give away to get a better one. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Sandra. 49. Most curious of all is the concept of the self which the ego fosters in the special relationship. The quote self seeks the relationship to make itself complete. Yet when it finds the special relationship in which it thinks it can accomplish this, it gives itself away and tries to trade, in quotes, itself for the self of another. This is not union, for there is no increase and no extension. Each partner tries to sacrifice the self he does not want for one he thinks he would prefer and he feels guilty for the, quote, sin of taking and of giving nothing of value in return. For how much value can he place upon a self that he would give away to get a better one? 50. The, quote, better self the ego seeks is always one that is more special, and whoever seems to possess a special self is, quote, loved for what can be taken from him. Where both partners see this special self in each other, the ego sees a union made in heaven. For neither one will recognize that he has asked for hell, and so he will not interfere with the ego's illusion of heaven, which is offered him to interfere with heaven. Yet, if all illusions are of fear, 
and they can be of nothing else, the illusion of heaven is nothing more than an attractive form of fear in which the guilt is buried deep and rises in the form of, quote, love. Thank you, Sandra. And Jessica. Thank you. 50. The, quote, better self, the ego seeks, is always one that is more special. And whoever seems to possess a special self is, quote, loved for what can be taken from him. Where both partners see this special self in each other, the ego sees, quote, a union made in heaven. For neither one will recognize that he has asked for help, and so he will not interfere with the ego's illusion of heaven, which it offered him to interfere with heaven. Yet, if all illusions are of fear, and they can be of nothing else, the illusion of heaven is nothing more than a, quote, attractive form of fear, in which the guilt is buried deep and rises in the form of, quote, love. 51. The appeal of hell lies only in the terrible attraction of guilt, which the ego holds out to those who place their faith in littleness. The conviction of littleness lies in every special relationship, for only the deprived could value specialness. The demand for specialness and the perception of the giving of specialness as an act of love would make love hateful. And the real purpose of the special relationship in strict accordance with the ego's goals is to destroy reality and substitute illusion. For the ego is itself an illusion and only illusion can be the witnesses to its, quote, reality. Thank you, Jessica. Um, would there be a new reader for 51 and 52? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. <laughs> The appeal of hell lies only in the terrible attraction of guilt, which the ego holds out to those who place their faith in littleness. The conviction of littleness lies in every special relationship, for only the deprived could value specialness. The demand for specialness and the perception of the giving of specialness as an act of love would make love hateful. And the real purpose of the special relationship in strict accordance with the ego's goal is to destroy reality and substitute illusion. For the ego is itself an illusion and only illusions can be the witnesses to its quote-unquote reality. If you perceived 
the special relationship as a triumph over God, would you want it? Let us not think of its fearful nature, nor of the guilt it must entail, nor of the sadness and the loneliness. For these are only attributes of the whole religion of separation and the total context in which it is thought to occur. The central theme in its litany to sacrifice is that God must die so you can live. And it is this theme which is acted out in the special relationship. Through the death of yourself, you think you can attack another self and snatch it from the other to replace the self which you despise. And you despise it because you do not think it offers the specialness which you demand. And hating it, you have made it little and unworthy because you are afraid of it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 52. If you perceived a special relationship as a triumph over God, would you want it? Let us not think of its fearful nature, nor of the guilt it must entail, nor of the sadness and the loneliness. For these are only attributes of the whole religion of the separation and of the total context in which it is thought to occur. The central theme in this litany to sacrifice is that God must die so you can live. And it is this theme which is acted out in the special relationship. Through the death of yourself, you think you can attack another self and snatch it from the other to replace the self which you despise. And you despise it because you do not think it offers the specialness which you demand. And hating it, you have made it little and unworthy because you are afraid of it. 53. How can you grant unlimited power to what you think you have attacked? So fearful has the truth become to you that unless it is weak and little and unworthy of value, you would not dare to look upon it. You think it's safer to endow the little self which you have made with power you wrested from truth, triumphing over it and leaving it helpless. See how exactly is this ritual enacted in this special relationship. An altar is erected in between two separate people on which each seeks to kill his self and on his body raise another self which takes its power over his death. Over and over and over this ritual is enacted and it is never completed nor ever will be completed for the ritual of completion cannot complete, and life arises not from death, nor heaven from hell. Thank you, Fran. And Donna. 53. How can you grant unlimited power to what you think you have attacked? So fearful has the truth become to you that unless it is weak and little and unworthy of value, you would not dare to look upon it. You think it's safer to endow the little self which you have made with power you wrested from truth, triumphing over it and leaving it helpless. See how exactly is this ritual 
enacted in the special relationship. An altar is erected in between two separate people on which each seeks to kill itself, his self, and on his body raise another self which takes its power from his death. Over and over and over, this ritual is enacted, and it is never completed nor ever will be completed. For the ritual of completion cannot complete, and life arises not from death, nor heaven from hell. 54. Whenever any form of special relationship tempts you to seek for love in ritual, remember love is content and not form of any kind. A special relationship is a ritual of form aimed at the raising of the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There's no meaning in the form, and there will never be. The special relationship must be recognized for what it is, a senseless ritual in which strength is extracted from the death of God and invested in his killer as the sign that form has triumphed over content and love has lost its meaning. Would you want this to be possible, even apart from its evident impossibility? For if it were possible, you would have made yourself helpless. God is not angry. He merely would not let this happen. You cannot change his mind. Thank you, Donna, and thank God. Uh, Karen. 54. Whenever any form of special relationship tempts you to seek for love in ritual, remember, love is content and not form of any kind. The special relationship is a ritual of form aimed at the raising of the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There is no meaning in the form, and there never will be. There will never be. The special relationship must be recognized for what it is, a senseless ritual in which strength is extracted from the death of God and invested in his killer as the sign that form has triumphed over content and love has lost its meaning. Would you want this to be possible, even apart from its evident impossibility? For if it were possible, you would have made yourself helpless. God is not angry. He merely could not let this happen. You cannot change his mind. 55. No rituals that you have set up in which the dance of death delights you and bring death to the eternal. Nor can your chosen substitute for the wholeness of God have any influence at all upon it. See in this special relationship nothing more than a meaningless attempt 
to raise other gods before him, and by worshiping them to obscure their tininess and his greatness. In the name of your completion, you do not want this. For every idol which you raise to place before him stands before you in place of what you are. Thank you, Karen. And Judy. Thank you, Lori. No rituals that you have set up in which the dance of death delights, you can bring death to the eternal. Nor can your chosen substitute for the wholeness of God have any influence at all upon it. See in the special relationship nothing more than a meaningless attempt to raise other gods before him. And by worshiping them, to obscure their tininess and his greatness. In the name of your completion, you do not want this. For every idol which you raise to place before him stands before you in place of what you are. Salvation lies in the simple fact that illusions are not fearful because they are not true. They but seem to be fearful to the extent to which you fail to recognize them for what they are. And you will fail to do this to the extent to which you want them to be true. And to the same extent, you are denying truth and so are making yourself unable to make the simple choice between truth and illusion, God and fantasy. Remember this, and you will also have no difficulty in perceiving the decision. It's just what it is and nothing more. Thank you. Thank you, Judy and Robin Marie. Salvation lies in the simple fact that illusions are not fearful because they are not true. They but seem to be fearful to the extent to which you fail to recognize them for what they are. And you will fail to do this to the extent to which you want them to be true. And to the same extent you are denying truth and so are making yourself unable to make the simple choice between truth and illusion, God and fantasy. Remember this, and you will have no difficulty in perceiving the decision as just what it is, and nothing more. 57. The core of the separation delusion lies simply in the fantasy of destruction of love's meaning, and unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself who shares its meaning. Separation is only the decision not to know yourself. Its whole thought system is a carefully contrived learning experience designed to lead away from truth and into fantasy. Yet er, yet for every learning that would hurt you, 
God offers you correction and complete escape from all its consequences. The decision whether or not to listen to this course and follow it is but the choice between truth and illusion. For here is truth separated from illusion and not confused with it at all. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Sandra. 57. The core of separation delusion lies simply in the fantasy of destruction of love's meaning. And unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself. Who shares its meaning? Separation is only the decision not to know yourself. Its whole thought system is a carefully contrived learning experience designed to lead away from truth and into fantasy. Yet for every learning that would hurt you, God offers you correction and complete escape from all its consequences. The decision whether or not to listen to this course and follow it is but the choice between truth and illusion. For here is truth separated from illusion and not confused with it with it all, with it at all. Fifty-eight. How simple does the choice become when it is perceived as only what it is? For only fantasies made confusion in choosing possible and they are totally unreal. This year is thus the time to make the easiest decision that ever confronted you, and also the only one. You will cross the bridge into reality simply because you will recognize that God is on the other side, and nothing at all is here. It is impossible not to make the natural decision as this is realized. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, and Jessica. <clears throat> 58. How simple does this choice become when it is perceived as only what it is? For only fantasies made confusion in choosing possible, and they are totally unreal. This year is thus the time to make the easiest decision that ever confronted you, and also the only one. You will cross the bridge into reality simply because you will recognize that God is on the other side, and nothing at all is here. It is impossible not to make the natural decision as this is realized. Thank you, Jessica, and thank you everyone who read this section this morning uh, and who joined with us to consider uh, the truth that we're given. And so now we're just perfectly at the top of the hour, and um, I think to turn it over to you, Fran, uh, where we can put an exclamation mark on this great reading. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, 
and we are on Lessons 181 to 200. The lesson for today is Lesson 184, The Name of God is My Inheritance. I'm going to read the last paragraph from the introduction and then go over to the lesson, and then we will do our five-minute practice. And so we start our journey beyond words by concentrating first on what impedes our progress still. Experience of what exists beyond defensiveness remains beyond achievement while it is denied. It may be there, but you cannot accept its presence. So we now attempt to go past all defenses for a little while each day. No more than this is asked because no more than this is needed. It will be enough to guarantee the rest will come. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 184, The Name of God is My Inheritance. You live by symbols. You have made up names for everything you see. Each one becomes a separate entity identified by its own name. By this, you designate its special attributes and set it off from other things by emphasizing space surrounding it. This space you see as setting off all things from one another is the means by which the world's perception is achieved. You see something where nothing is and see as well nothing where there is unity. What are these names by which the world becomes a series of discrete events of things unidentified, of bodies kept apart and holding bits of mind as separate awareness? You gave these names to them, establishing perception as you wish to have perception be. This is the way reality is made by partial vision, purposefully set against the given truth. Its enemy is wholeness. Yet does this other vision still remain a natural direction for the mind to channel its perception? Such is the teaching of the world. It is a phase of learning everyone who comes must go through. But the sooner he perceives on what it rests, how questionable are its premises, how doubtful its results, the sooner does he question its effects. Learning which stops with what the world would teach stops short of meaning. Think not you made the world. Illusions, yes. But what is true in earth and heaven is beyond your naming. When you call upon a brother, it is to his body that you make appeal. His true identity is hidden from you by what you believe he really is. You have need to use the symbols of the world a while, but be you not deceived by them as well. They do not stand for anything at all. Thus what you need are intervals each day in which the learning of the world becomes a transitory phase, a prison house from which you go into the sunlight and forget the darkness. God has no name, and yet his name becomes the final lesson that all things are one and that this single lesson, learning, ends. And though we use a different name for each awareness of an aspect of God's Son, We understand that they have but one name, 
which he has given them. It is this name we use in practicing. And here's a prayer at the end of this lesson. Father, our name is yours. In it we are united with all living things and you who are their one creator. What we made and called by many different names is but a shadow we have tried to cast across your own reality. And we are glad and thankful we were wrong. All our mistakes we give to you that we may be absolved of all effects our errors seem to have. And we accept the truth you give in place of every one of them. Your name is our salvation and escape from what we made. Your name unifies us in the oneness that is our inheritance and peace. Amen. Now we'll go over to the title and do our five-minute practice. Lesson 184, The Name of God is My Inheritance.
Think not you made the world. Illusion, yes. But what is true on earth and heaven is beyond your naming. Lesson 184. The name of God is my inheritance. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Good morning, it's Karen. I loved, loved this lesson. Um, I love the idea that we are being taught to go in to take these intervals of going within to the inner altar, to the inner self, um, to really know ourselves, to meet ourselves, to come to a place where we can meet ourselves. Um, our true self, the spacious self, the self of spirit, the self of light, the self of peace, the self of love, all those names, names of attributes. But it's directing us to go within, to take intervals where we leave the transitory world and go in to discover the truth of who we are. So... Um, when I go within, I have to open, and I have to open with acceptance and receptivity without judgment. And I feel like the starting off point is a place where I don't um, act from the habits of my ego mind. You know, judgment, ego mind, likes and dislikes, ego mind striving ego mind you know it's it's always coming back open in softness open in receptivity don't judge the situation and um i rest in god i rest in god i need do nothing and repeating holy jesus holy jesus holy jesus that makes the light get much much brighter that makes the the awareness of the spirit gets stronger in me. Um, so I just want to add one more thing. I was driving home from visiting my daughter on Saturday, and of course I had to be on the road going from uh, the city, basically, practically in Manhattan, New York City, to um, the Jersey Shore where I live, which is the beach. And, of course, it's the beginning of the holiday weekend, so, you know, everybody's on the road. And I'm on this major road, the the New Jersey Parkway. And I kept thinking, with my eyes open, of this state, which even though we weren't up to this lesson, I was aware, I have to not be in judgment of traffic. I have to dissolve away all the forms, you know, time impatience, judging other people's driving, um, likes and dislikes, you know, I don't like being stuck in traffic for an extra hour, all of it, but with my eyes open and just being the experience of acceptance and openness and gratitude, you know, gratitude. I'm safe. I got to where I had to be. I don't have to be someplace else. Um, I started singing and chanting, um, Lord, I offer you all of me. 
my Lord, I offer you all of me. My God, I give you my all. Just to keep myself centered on the idea that the forms can all dissolve, all the names of the experience, all the fragments that I named of this experience can dissolve, and I can be in the Holy Spirit awareness this interval of peace, this interval of hope of my spiritual spirit, true self, I can be in that place everywhere and anywhere with my eyes open or closed that it's, it's the experience of just bringing my awareness to the true self and it can stand in this world without being affected by it. I'm complete. Oh, that was such a beautiful example. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. Sounds like an enjoyable time. Thank you, Karen. really feeling all pulled together in my oneness. Um, Even to say one is too much. The old, old sages, the wise ones, they called them, never even said oneness. They said not to. There's no in-between. There is no other. Um, It's nameless, formless changeless everywhere all the time already always has been always will be um but words cannot describe it cannot conceive it and um the these last two lessons for me have have are particularly meaningful because they they explain quite simply and quite clearly as does the text today how we slice and dice up the totality of God's um, being present, all pre- all present in and as everything, um, without any difference, without any distinct, distinguishing, separating lines or borders or limits. Um, in that oneness, there's no two, um, not two, there's no in-between, there's no space where it's not, no space. We think of space as being empty, that emptiness, the void. And and then we think of all the forms that we've named, the appearances, the, the things that seem to be, um, I love those two words, appearances and seem to be. Um, that is what we perceive, you know, the manifestations. There's words, lots of words for that too. And um, the going beyond words or prior to words the silence before words are spoken and then the silence after which um, the words are spoken go go back into that that is the changeless um, undefinable inconceivable 
imperceptible changeless state that we are. It's not even a state. I can't describe it. <laughs> but nothing's absolutely nothing is excluded from it and nothing is rejected from it and it's openness and it's welcoming. Everything is. Um, this idea of specialness, though, is particularly clear to me, too, in, in um, you know, that my, my first special relationship is making a name for, of Judy, making an image of Judy, and then making everything um, inside private and everything outside is other than me. And, um, you know, that in making Judy separate from God is how I do that. You know, I I forget that God is, God is, his will is appearing me, is living me, is breathing me. Life is, God's life is one life, and it's living everything. as one total experience of God, and what is one cannot have separate parts or be understood in part or as partial because it's, it loses its meaning there. So, you know, what is one cannot have separate parts? What is the same? All the same. And, you know, we can't even start talking about qualities or attributes because... That's defining it to me. When I think of it, though, I think of the nature of it. And this is where I'll come home and, and quit. The, um, the nature of being peaceful, that it is by nature peace. It is my natural state is peace. My natural state is happiness. My natural state is love. Content is content. Happiness, peace, and love. Content and content. I am complete. <gasps> love it today. Great reading, gang. Thanks. Thank you all for being here with me. Thank you, Judy. I love that emphasis and content. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you. Yeah, it's Robin Marie. Uh, yeah. Um. I just was thinking of love your enemy. Jesus told us to love our enemy. And I <clears throat> made a blunder that I realized yesterday when I said that uh, people in power may have to see something happen to their own family to realize what they are doing. And then I started thinking about how that was cruel and hateful. And I didn't want to feel that way. And I thought, yeah, I should just be putting more energy on um, just wanting, just seeing that God is going to open everyone's eyes and, um, you know, and stay away from uh, seeing the, the person as an enemy. That, that loving your enemy is seeing the person as you, as Christ. And I don't know, it was just a little slip up I had yesterday that re made me realize, oh, that is not the way to think. And that is a cruel thing to think. 
And don't even go there in any shape or form. Just stay with the beauty and glorious truth and brilliance of love and how much God loves all of us. Thank you. Oh, that was great, Robin Marie. Thank you. Our thoughts tend to shape our reality, don't they? Thank you very much. Thank you, That's a really beautiful um, reframing it, uh, re-seeing it. Thank you for sharing that. Good morning, this is Sandra. In the name of God is my inheritance because it's my job to see God in everything, to see how all things work together for my good. And it says that um, special relationships are an attack on oneself to make the other guilty. Because me in the past, um, special relationships, is somebody not on mute? Just a little bit distracting. Sounds like somebody's on on a ventilator. (laughs) Um, um, Because for me, special relationships were a fix to feeling incomplete to feeling isolated and alone. And so for me, special relationships were always about my completion. And it's an attack on God's plan for salvation because my completion comes from my relationship with my creator. That's what completes me. And then I extend that unconditional loving relationship that I have with my creator because of experiencing that unconditional love, then I can extend that outward. But I can't do that unless I see the oneness between myself and God, knowing that the name of God is my inheritance. Um, In this world, love is special love relationships are seen as exclusive, excluding all others, instead of seeing the equality, the God within everyone. Completion lies first in union and then in extension of that union. That union is with God. Um, And then I can extend that to my brothers equally. But first, I must extend it to myself to know that unconditional love that God has for me that I need to have for myself, which includes the ego acting up and includes my own forgiveness of myself when the ego acts up and just allowing it to pass through because because God does that for me I have to do that for myself and do it for all others as well. So the name of God is my inheritance. The name of God is my 
completion. I'm complete. Oh, I meant to that, Sandra. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Excellent. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks. The intimacy of that, I'm attacking God within me if I'm attacking myself. And if the simplicity of this whole oneness is that it's universally applicable, that if I attack anything, I'm attacking God. That's what it says in the text today. If I attack any part of the wholeness of this one son, this one creation, I'm not only attacking myself, I'm attacking my father. So that's what makes it really simple for me. Attack has to be completely relinquished. Anger has to be completely relinquished. Because attack, anger, and any form is trying to make guilty. And the only one I'm doing it to is myself. The only one I'm hurting is myself. I can't touch or change the unity of the totality. That's the protection and safety of the kingdom of God. That's what it says. The ego cannot interfere with it. It cannot prevail against it. It will never meet it. The ego and my totality, my true self, never will meet. They're irreconcilable. They're total opposition. And it speaks of the opposite, the opposite um, ideas of completion. You know that the ego is going to triumph over God, and the Holy Spirit says our completion lies in our unity. But that unity is total, and that's why forgiveness has to be total. I have to completely overlook anything that my body's eyes see in this world and let go of everything I think I know about it because it's the only way I can do it. I can't pick a name and a value uh, that I've put on anything in the world. Forget all the names of the world, all the values that I put on anything in the world because it's all meaningless. Ergo, there I go. I can't slice and dice. God's reality and the appearances and what seems to be recognized, they all don't matter. There's no hierarchy of illusions to the same as there's no order of difficulty in miracles. The end. <laughs> Again. <laughs> beginning it. No beginnings or no endings. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. And thanks, Judy. There's no hierarchy of illusions. There's no order of difficulty in miracles. There's no hierarchy in love. There's no triumph of love. It either is or... or, (laughs) What's this? this, uh, Like that old song, Listen in the Darkness. Oh, I can't hear you. Please, Lemoyne. 
Oh, well, I'm I'm complete that thought that there's no there's no order of difficulty in miracles because there's no hierarchy in love. That uh, you know what we think of as faith. I, I appreciate that this lesson actually resonates with something that's a point that's made also in course of love that you know we think the space is empty and yet the course of love asks to ask us to consider that spirit is everything that's not material and you know given that we know that the the form taking up so much space is really based on a tiny amount of material and uh, even it is perfused with space and the the space where spirit and love hold everything as equal surrounds everything and you know it's it's in the different thing that we we start to create shadows and darkness. Um, anyway, thanks for calling that up. And Thank you, Lemoyne. That reminds me of one of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, "Love is the attraction of everything to everything," <laughs> and uh, it exists even on a molecular level. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank everything. you, Lemoyne. I like that. Thank you. It sees everything as itself. That is the that is the of it. The elegance of it. <laughs> This is Donna. It's so good to be reminded that God is not angry. In the uh, reading of the lesson uh, today, throughout the paragraphs, I pulled out highlights, but in 10 and 11, I began to, (laughs) I'll call it a story, get a story, And and it goes like this. We sleep in the world of darkness. Believing we are awake, experiencing life where there is nothing. Travelers, so to speak, in a dream of drifting and disturbance, with awakening light yet irritating our dream. Here the Holy Spirit waits with the sleeping sun in the unity and wholeness of God's love as one. Thanks be to God that he is real. Amen. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Donna. Yeah. I could feel your um I could feel you when you read your paragraphs this morning. It's very beautiful. Oh. Thank you.
uh, let's just do that again. Lori, I'm going to comment that many times I have a sense that we are walking together. And I, I, it's a very, and then I will come and hear a reading and you will say something that confirms that. It is so exquisite to really know that every word is really real of any divine scripture. So thank you for being so, quote unquote, high-minded in a divinely holy way. Well, as we all are. Amen. Now this is Lori and uh, golly, you know, I thought um, special relationship over and over from the time I was six years old. And I can see it now in my rearview mirror. But um, somehow along the way I became convinced that love is possession. And isn't that just the ego's law? That love is possession. And by virtue of possession, a special place is created in hell. And um, when I read this section today, I don't know um, that I would have seen it when I was in the throes of this kind of suffering. You know, if somebody had said, you know, this is what you're doing, uh, perhaps. But I had to... um, I had to live it out to its maximum, I think. And uh, and when I read it today, I think, oh my God, isn't the Christ mind the perfect therapist? You know, I, I had surgery a while back and, and somebody, um, you know, casually asked me, well, what do you do? And... The casual answer, of course, is I'm retired. But into my mind sprang this idea that I do unity. Um, And and that's what we all do in truth, whether we know it or not. Because why? Because it says very clearly, God could not let this happen in 54 and 55. God could not let this happen. And the special relationship to me in my rearview mirror, uh, I bless. I just bless. Because it's, um, it was, uh, as Rumi likes to say, the wound is where the light gets in. It was my special wound. And, uh, and that's why I thank Christ's mind for um, staying with me when I was in the dark, you know, in changeless dwelling place. Um, oh, there's some beautiful language in there, but what what speaks to me most deeply is what this lesson offers. That in the midst of suffering, it's a special kind of suffering, you know, when when mind uses guilt as a control mechanism. 
it, it can't help but use it within and without. And uh, and that's what happened over the course of all these special relationships. Unbeknownst to me, in the midst of them, uh, I was failing my function. No one could have told me that. You know, your function, he says, fail not your function of loving in a loveless place. Um, but this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, in in the midst of these situations that uh, we are responsible, you know. Um, you are responsible for what you see. In the midst of these situations that ego mind creates, the Christ mind speaks, whether you are asleep or awake, he says, whether you are asleep or awake, this gentle call is ongoing and eternal. This gentle call to return, this gentle call to atonement, this soft and welcoming call that says, Son of God, it is not so. <laughs> the Sufis have a saying that I really love. It's interpreted many different ways. Um, in translated, I guess you could say, in, in different languages. But the essence of it uh, is what God is speaking to us in our creation. I was a being. I am a being who longs to be known. And so I created the visible and the invisible. That's what this lesson says to me. The name of God is my inheritance. It's all content. I was so confused about this ritual of sacrifice. You know, I was taught that way, um, as my mother was taught that way, as we were all taught. You know, love is sacrifice. If I lay myself on the altar of my children, my children will love me and they will see what great sacrifice I've given. Of course, I've forgiven all that, but I had to travel backwards with Jesus as my therapist and see how these uh, thought errors came to be. And it was all very quick, you know. He says when, when, when the Holy Spirit Awakens when your spiritual eye awakens, you instantly see that the altar is defiled, not because you've done anything wrong, but because you failed to understand your holiness, your great worth, your preciousness in this hidden treasure who longs to be known. And you made the error of thinking you had to sacrifice yourself to guilt and projected that onto God and onto creation and onto my brothers and onto everyone else, especially myself. But the Holy Spirit's remedy is quick. He sees the altar is defiled and instantly places the atonement on it. The correction 
the nature of love, the nature of innocence, the nature of perfection, the nature of truth. And, uh, and that's what happened in my special relationship. When I realized I couldn't tolerate the pain anymore, I uh, threw it all away with my mind, um, not understanding he would transform it. I just knew I didn't want to suffer anymore. And uh, the remedy is quick. Thank God. Thank God for atonement. The the awareness of innocence that I could not give myself, and that's the nature of of all that striving. You know, belief in guilt as real that it has to be given to somebody um, because it's so intolerable to the soul. It's so uh, antithetical to the nature of the relationship that exists between God and his souls. And so for the therapy of the Holy Spirit, I'm very, very grateful. And I'm um, I'm grateful for the discovery. You know, he says the final step is taken by God. The nature of that final step um, is known is known to the soul. It's absolutely known to the soul in that perfect recognition of the love between the Father and the Son that is eternal. Um, and I'm certain that every soul knows the nature of that relationship and it's the nature of that relationship that calls throughout suffering to return, just return the mind to God and realize the perfect holiness that imbues all of creation when I am in my right mind. And my right mind is that mind that sits with the Holy Spirit and listens to truth. It says it feels this way and I don't like it. This isn't what I want. This isn't what I want. And with that acknowledgement, the Holy Spirit fills everything with himself. And I understand the name of God is my inheritance. What a perfect lesson today for this very painful section. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thanks for Thank that. You. Yeah, this this pain. We have to look at this pain. Take the thorn out, and um, instead of defending it, I was reading somewhere. I don't remember where they were talking about that. That fear is this thing that we have embedded in us. It's it's like a thorn in our skin, and we protect it. It's like we won't we won't. We don't want anything to touch it, so we cover it up and try to hide it. And and but the pain of it um, is there, and we have to pull it out. We can't let it be there any any longer. There, the pain is. It's like Robin Marie said about that cruelty. That I'm attacking myself. If I feel pain in any form, 
be it mental, emotional, psychological, um, you know, that I'm, I'm hurting myself. And, you know, I, I'm work on that. I'm working with that. I'm, it's, it's a part of my curriculum to see, to see the physical manifestation of pain. And how am I, man- how is it I am responsible for manifesting that? Or is it something, simply something that is just a part of feeling, experiencing a body in the world? But the mental, the psychological, the emotional pain, I truly believe is all in the hands of God. That thinking and feeling, thinking and emotions or thinking and feeling is truly suffering that I need not, need not ever experience. I can always rest in peace. The body, I'm still working with. (laughs) But I really don't ever want to be separate from the awareness of love's presence because that by separating myself, I'm losing my sense of peace, my sense of happiness, my own sense, essence of love, self-love. And I can't know myself unless I know that. And I can't know anything outside of myself unless I know myself because I'm either I'm seeing through the eyes of truth or I'm seeing through the eyes of illusion. An illusion seeing other illusions. If I'm trusting in a mistaken sense of self-appraisal, I'm not. I'm not seeing myself truly, experiencing myself truly, knowing myself truly, knowingly aware of myself. Oh, this is lovely today. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Uh, this is Donna. And um, what I'm learning is I'm finding that pain is probably the greatest feature in the world. I've been um, having this thought come to me for several days. My life seems boring and without purpose. Or another seemingly boring day, pointless day. When I have those kind of thoughts, the only thing I can do is say, but Father, not my will, thy will be done. And today's lesson gave me a simple understanding, a simple statement that makes me really understand how in the human condition, every single thing we do, every empty thought, of our head is good and every thought that we give to God is good and that statement is you have need to use the symbols of the world for a while and I thought okay that's my purpose I can go and do and say I am in pain and I can walk mindlessly with no thought past an individual and give them a genuine smile 
or a friendly hello. And I have used the symbols of this world with great purpose and just need to remind myself, what other purpose do I have for every single action of the human thought system and condition, our human journey? And this has been a wonderful lesson. I'm so grateful. Um, I am complete. Amen. Thank you, Donna. It was good. Yeah, thank you, Donna. It's really good. I was just thinking that, you know, that there's truly, indeed, there's truly no choices in the world. They're all the same. It's all, it's all, um, but that's not the lesson in itself. The lesson is that everything, every choice has a purpose, and, and it goes back to that question, what is it for? Is it for the ego, or is it for the, for, because I'm the host and home of God? And it's like, okay, well, we're restored back to our function, right, Lori? The, um, restoring the kingdom, the joyous praise, restoring the kingdom to the kingdom, the awareness of the kingdom to king to the kingdom that there's nothing to suffer from, that we should never feel guilty or wrong, that we're, you know, that God is not angry, and, he, and there's no need for vengeance or blame or punishment, that, that it's all injustice to the one Son of God. Just great, great news. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Well, I guess I should talk. This is Ina. <laughs> uh, I spent last night at a local hospital just tonight. Um, to make a long story short, um, in some ways, it's my fault because I didn't take care of myself well enough of my body and now my body is falling apart and um, so is my life and uh, I need to change it very quickly I need to change my life very quickly and my circumstances when I get in like an assisted living home or something like that because I need it and I'm going to need it and uh, after I came back from the hospital early earlier this morning, I um, I was overwhelmed. I know they had given me things to do and people to call, and I know that I had cleaned up my apartment as much as I could, and other people have helped me too. But I was still overwhelmed. I never faced anything like this before in this lifetime. And I'm not exactly sure how what we're studying today applies to it, but I know that it does. Of course, right? Everything is of course. Um, always accept prayers. Um, bless you. And uh, I'm here, and I'm complete. Thanks. Oh, God bless you, Ida. We're going to take a minute and just hold you in our thoughts.
and recognize that for every wound uh, the Holy Spirit is there with healing in his wings and that this situation that you're going through can be totally transformed if we give it to Holy Spirit so let's let's hold you I want to hold you um, and lift you up my dear can we take a minute please Thank you, everyone. Ida, you are precious in his sight. And nothing ever drops from the mind of God. I love you, honey. I'm Thank you so much, Lord. I love you, too. Mm -hmm. And thank you, everybody. You make my life rich, Ida. This is Donna, and, and you have blessed me. Every word you ever said, and I'm greatly, greatly indebted to you. I'm complete. Well, thank you. I bless you. Love you, Ida. Oh, I love you too, friend. Good morning, it's Mindy. Thank you, everyone. Um, I also heard about Ida. Ida, I just know. I just saw the spirit of wholeness, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wholeness descend into your mind, into your heart, into your body, and even infuse your soul with that knowingness of being whole, being loved, being perfect, and I just know that, that life and light and love permeates every part of your body and being. And that as you allow yourself to feel loved, or just ask to allow yourself to feel loved, 
that this beautiful energy and this beautiful perfection of life it's becoming a reality and it's I see it for myself, I see it for everyone on this call. Whoever places what where I'm imbalanced, where I'm not expressing the life of God fully, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wholeness, oh, the spirit of all there is, can infuse me and I allow it. I allow that spirit of wholeness to infuse my mind with the light of truth and infuse my heart with the love of God and fuse every cell of my body with God's vibrant, perfect life. And, and my soul knows it. My mind, my heart, my body are now picturing the light and love of God. And this is the affirmation I hold for myself and for you, Ida, and everyone. And let us just be patient and do nothing because it will come. Wait patiently and see the light and see the love and see the beauty and bask in the peace knowing that this truth, this reality will replace the illusions in time when we are all being loved and supported and in truth we are that which we wish to be. Thank you, God. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. I just got a very brief no. affirmation. I am light, I am life, and I am love. And so it is, amen. <laughs> We're at the end of the call, aren't we? <clears throat> Thank you. Mindy, I love you. Thank you again. Well, the perfect place to end this recording, I think, is where we began with the prayer in our lesson today. So I just want to read that, if I may. It's in Lesson 184, Paragraph 15. Father, Father, our name is yours. In it we are united with all living things, and you who are their one creator. What we made and call by many different names is but a shadow we have tried to cast across your own reality, and we are glad and thankful we were wrong. All our mistakes we give to you that we may be absolved of all effects our errors seem to have, and we accept the truth you gave in place of every one of them. Your name is our salvation and escape from what we made. Your name unites us in the oneness, which is our inheritance and peace. Amen. Thank you all for for joining this call and for staying, listening, and sharing. Everyone who reads and and everyone who lets the words light up their life. 